the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest pop culture movement since the Beatles, $22.5 billion at the box office, and we found the one guy who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. With two fellow MCU nerds to help guide his hand along the way, one thing is for certain, we're with him until the end of the line. Welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU. On your left. We're back. <laughs> that was Hello. creepy, man. Oh, it, did, was, it went a bit poltergeist. Hello and welcome everybody to your favourite podcast designed for your ear holes. Yes, after taking a well-deserved break, we are back and hopefully with a bang. So uh, before we have a little catch-up, I guess it is best to introduce my fellow co-hosts as per usual. Firstly... During his break from the pod, he managed to catch COVID and now has an abscess on a wisdom tooth that's trying to make an appearance. So with any luck, he's feeling so rough, he's going to have some really shitty trivia today. It's Robert Trot. Rob, how are you? I'm all right. It's a new year. It's a new me. So just want you guys to know there'll be no trumpets today. Yeah, right. It's a new year, new me. I'm, I'm a new, bo- new boy, new man. Not happy with this. No, no, he's lying. He's oh, changed. Yeah, of course he is, of course he is. And the man of the hour. He's back and he's grumpier than ever. But Ant-Man and the Wasp has everything that surely he loves in a movie. So we're fairly confident we're getting our first five-star movie today. Colin, how are you? Hmm. Oh. I'm good, man. I'm, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. Happy New Year or happy belated New Year to everyone listening. Um, mm. Yeah, man. It's good. Nice break. Hope everyone enjoyed their holidays and... New Year's and all that, and uh, yes. 2023. Let's do it. Let's do let's it, baby. Do it. Yeah. The year of the year of Colin Brain versus the MCU. Hell yeah. So I've got a few things I want to get through first, but before we do that, maybe we should do uh, discuss Rob's nickname. Um, oh, I haven't even looked. Oh well. I'll wait for in... the reveal. Oh dear. Oh, <laughs> oh, I've well. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, over to you. Much like this film is to the MCU. Maybe this isn't my best. But this week I've gone with Hank Pimp. Oh shit. It's not good, is it? <laughs> okay. It's That's not, not bad. It's, it could have been not better. Bad. It's not it, bad. It sets the tone for the rest of the episode <laughs> and the film maybe. So speaking of 2023 and you know, new year, new me and all that bullshit, I've decided I'm a new man as well. I've 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 had a little turnaround on something, Colin. Mm. You giving Infinity War four <laughs> out of five. Yes, I'm cool with that, man. I'm I'm cool. What's coming? Like nothing. That's it. I'm a new man. I'm cool with it. I have to think back when we first started this podcast. Okay, so you actually you're, you're being legit here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the okay, amount okay, okay. of crap you used to talk about superhero movies and anything like that, like. And you've you've you know you know very you've established what a five star film is to you. And a little obviously bit, I think it's you know it has to be way way up there. Um, Rob oh, is currently that? showing me. Rob is currently showing me a little tweet I did earlier on about oh, you, shit. Never, okay. <laughs> which, which might contradict what I am saying now. Okay, go on, carry on, carry on. No, but that's it. Honestly, I I feel like four out of five is good. I'm glad Will you see have... that. Yeah. Because that is the truth. I think any any film that gets a four out of five, like that's a legit you clearly enjoyed that film enough. Like four stars yes. is a high high score. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, as I've said previously, and maybe I'm just being extra picky, and maybe I am picky with what I uh, say that I like. And um, but for a five star to me, it just has to tick a lot, a lot of boxes personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I stick by the quote that will probably not come back and bite me in the ass from the very, very first episode, which at the time I did say, clip this, this could bite me in the ass, which was, <laughs> I very, very much doubt I will be giving a five-star rating for all of these films. Clip it again, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he's cool with it, but he's not lost hope. Yeah. Yes. But dude, honestly, you've got to start letting go of it a bit. because No. Right. And our listeners have hope as well then I, I feel like I'm living in a different universe because how many... Like, do I have to <laughs> learn a different language to explain this shit to you guys? Like, I'm just uh, not... I'm not into it. Come on now. So, if I'm willing to accept we might not get a five, but I have an inkling of hope, how about from you, you you say you're pretty sure you're not going to give a five, but have a... Oh, I mean... Have, look, a, have an inkling of hope look, as look, well. Look, 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 look. I'm open to it. <laughs> I'm not closed <laughs> off. I'm not just because I've said twice now that there's not going to be a five star film. Honestly, and you know me, if I if I watch one of these and I mm-hmm. think it's a five star film, I will one hundred. I'll be happy to do it, man. I'll be happy yeah. to say it. I want that to happen. I want to enjoy watching these damn films that we then come mm. on and talk about. Um. So yeah, like, but on the other side, I very very much doubt it's going to happen, <laughs> and I'm sorry to say that. Hot take. I think you would have given Infinity War a five had George not spent the previous week. Uh, no, maybe a four and a half, but I still don't think I would have given yeah. it a five. <laughs> George, yeah, George, um, George does add to it with his fucking overhyping, but we've been down that road a few times for sure. I've learned um, my lesson. Have you? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a new man. I don't like believe I you at all. I feel new like year. there's something coming here. No, honestly, there's all right. not. All right. So on to maybe more depressing news Mm. you text me and rob a couple of days ago saying boys i've been spoiled there was a spoiler yeah we we as much as it hurt not to say colin what have you just found out we obviously want to save it for the pod so i will ask you now colin oh my god what, what have you found out? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna have to give you a little bit of backstory to this one because oh, if no. I just give it straight up, it's gonna come across really odd, and I'm sure most people are gonna be like, "How did you end up finding out this through this?" <laughs> um, so let me think back. It was either Saturday or Sunday, wasn't it? It was definitely over the weekend. I think I sent you guys a message. Yeah, it's one of the two for sure. Saturday, yeah. because I know this because me and George the following day at my son's um, third oh. birthday party. We were sat it. in a soft play on the top level of the soft play, having a, a little discussion about what it could be. Everyone's in the ball pit <laughs> and everyone's playing. And then me and Rob are in a corner going, what the fuck has he found <laughs> out? <laughs> Throw, throwing theories back and forth to each other while your kids are playing. Um, all right. Um, so, yeah, let me set the scene a little bit. Um, so me and Stacey, I think we were getting ready to take Fader out for a walk or something. And... Um, as we were doing that, as we were just, you know, generally get, I think, getting ready to go out, I was like, I'm going to stick some music on, on the iPad. Oh, no, it's a long one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm literally on the edge of my seat. Go on. It, I have to say this, though, because if I just told you what it was, mm-hmm. and you and the listeners are going to think I'm a fucking crazy person. Okay, oh, no. so, and and it was Stacey's Spotify, so, like, you know, algorithmically, it's nowhere near me, really. So I was like, I'm just going to stick a playlist on. You know, you just go you in. You get spoiled from a playlist. Okay, keep going. It's yeah. coming, mate. It's coming. Don't you worry. I'll, I'll hold your hand throughout this. Um, hmm? 
So I found, and I saw a, a playlist that looked quite intriguing to me, and it was like uh, songs to sing in the shower or something like that. Like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, let's give it a go. So I hit it, first one up, Jolene by Dolly Parton, which, let's be real, is a banger. I mean, yeah, it, true. yeah it is a complete tune. Uh, then there was a couple of like skippable ones, and then Avril Lavigne, Complicated, came on. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, you know, if you're born around the same sort of way uh, year that we were, banger i mean it's a, Another it's a banger yeah. and then uh, from that i was like man avril lavigne that was like a big part of my childhood like or, or like the teen years i remember skater boy coming out that album was massive and like everyone was loving it and then stace was like did you ever hear about the conspiracy theory about avril uh, avril lavigne and i said no she said i've heard the conspiracy okay theory. okay so there's there's a conspiracy theory out there that the avril lavigne that is 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 around now is actually like a clone of the original Avril Lavigne, <laughs> which I then went, that's fucking bullshit. Like, yeah. that's obviously total shite. But then we, so we started chatting and I was like, you know what? I'm, I guarantee you there's some people on YouTube that have like made a video about like going, oh, here's, here's Avril Lavigne from, 19, you know, like 2005. And then when you look at her now, you can see that like her fucking eyebrows are a different shape or something, like all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I Googled Avril Lavigne conspiracy theory. Right. right, and then I found a video that was like the top ten celebrity conspiracy theories. Oh, so no. I was like, hey, you know what, man, I, I I'm not gonna lie, I do quite like a countdown YouTube video. Huh? You know, like they're quite cool. There's a there's a there's MMA on point. They do a load all related to the UFC, which is like countdowns of certain things. But anyway, so I was like, fuck it, click it. And these were ridiculous. I mean, they were even more far fetched than Avril Lavigne being cloned, and like. Huh? You know how they you know how they make these YouTube compilation videos like that. Like they'll be talking about it and they'll put in clips of like pop culture references while they're talking about stuff. Uh, yeah, how no. ridiculous is this? How fucking ridiculous Rob, is this? Is Rob, do you think he's found out the big one? Uh, I, I think it, he, his reaction would have been bigger mm-hmm. if he had found out the big one. I think I said to you in in the WhatsApp group that like there were two things that were reveals to me in this. You said one. You were not surprised by, yeah, 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 and one you saw coming. But also, I I slammed that iPad across the room basically so fast <laughs> that I I still I'm not like uh, I don't know. There's something weird about when I have something spoiled. I'll like see it and I'll be like, no, mm-hmm. no, that's fucking Marvel, isn't it? Like, and and then I'll be like, fuck. What's the context? And then I'll go out of it, and then I'll be like, wait, did I see that properly? And then I'll go into right. this weird denial phase where I'm like, maybe I didn't see what I thought I saw. That's happened a few... But anyway, so one of the... Um, I don't think it's... It's not that big, to be honest. And maybe it's big to you guys, but hold on. I'm just going to have a little sip of water to keep you in suspense. One sec. Yeah, thanks for that. I think this was ranked number four in the list of top ten. And it was... Um, um, Stevie Wonder isn't blind which is ridiculous to even think that. I've heard that one as well. <laughs> okay, you have heard that one. Um, <laughs> Good old TikTok. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Stevie Wonder isn't blind. And when they, when they were chatting about the blind thing, they cut to a clip of um, Daredevil, the, the, the Netflix version of Daredevil, but he sat at a table with Tom Holland. Spider-Man Tom Holland. Oh. So I'm thinking... Weird. So the confirm for me was, well, clearly Tom Holland, we're going to see him again, which I've said ever since he turned into dust. Unless it's a flashback. Uh, and the other one was Daredevil's going to end up in the MCU, which I didn't know was a thing. Have you seen every series of Daredevil? No, I haven't. No. Should but have no, probably watched no, the third no, series. No, Because no, in the third on. series... The cameo. 
You, the, you've pulled that out of your ass, Rob. I've not. No? Third series of Daredevil. Ratings were dwindling. They needed something big. Are you, are you, guys, are you guys being serious right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom Holland, not as Spider-Man. They didn't, he didn't appear as Spider-Man. He appeared okay. as Peter Parker for one scene in the Daredevil TV show. Oh, right. Well, then it's not a spoiler then. No. I mean, it kind of is and kind of isn't. Well, it is if you... Yeah, for Daredevil Series 3, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... So that does also... I guess from that, then, it does mean that there is a link between those Netflix Marvel shows and the MCU in general. They were always set in the same to, universe, yeah. for sure. I knew they were set in the same universe, but I didn't ever know that, like, the the actors from the MCU stuff ever turned up in the in the um, TV I, ones. I think it was a maybe a one-off. I'm struggling to think of any other times it crossed over from... From the films to the sure. TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. But then Sony owned the rights to all the Spider-Man things, so it's different dealings and mm-hmm. all sorts. Okay, so so it's kind of a I'm false, happy. false alarm then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right, sweet. N- nothing to worry about, but that was my Stay story anyway YouTube. of how I got there. Yeah. Which Stop. now just means that I can't fucking watch anything because I'm always <laughs> like, I'm always half <laughs> worried that something's coming up Marvel-related. No, you um, cannot, sir. So I can't no, even watch compilation uh, like countdown <laughs> videos on YouTube anymore. Um right. Not, yeah, not without anxiety. No. I still right. don't, um, I still think we're going to see Tom Holland again, though. Well, hmm. so uh, one last thing for me. Uh, before Christmas, I went on a nice little day trip to London. I went to visit the Stranger Things Experience. Oh, here we go. No, I know Rob, Rob doesn't like Stranger Things, but I know, Colin, you have some affection for it. I don't think you've seen the last season, though. No, no, I, I, I really did enjoy the first three seasons, though. Yeah, it's a good show. Um, and it made me, when I was walking around there, think of a question to ask you, Colin. Now, being a fan of Stranger Things, what if I was to tell you that a cast member of Stranger Things is now in the MCU? Who would you like to see in the MCU? Because half a spoiler, someone is. So mm. that's what's made yeah. me ask it. Uh, uh, I, I imagine it, it it's going to be one of like the main, the main crew of the young, the younger kids, right? It. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's from okay. one of the core group of characters. Okay. That's all oh, I'll man. say. Honestly, I haven't seen Stranger Things since season three came out, whenever that was. Um, so. I can't remember any of their names, so I'm not going to be. It's not very good podcasting. I'm just going to say. <laughs> it's not a great question. <laughs> there was a. I mean, I, I do remember one of the guys turned up in in it. Right, that that happened. Yeah, Finn Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, yeah. I, I quite like the 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 dude with the curlier hair. Oh yeah, the the sort of the, the geek. Well, they're all geeks, but the yeah, really nerdy yeah. one. The really nerdy one. I love that guy. Yeah, so I mean, great. but honestly, like, I mean, I. When you ask me these questions of who do I want to see in the MCU, mm-hmm. the answer is just I don't care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because because they're going to pop up, and uh, like, I'd rather just have some really good characters in the MCU to get invested in. I couldn't care yeah. who the actor some, is. Some more, you mean? Some more. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe a couple more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I'm not. But what I will say is I'm not surprised. Because that mm. seems like a very obvious thing to do is to take someone who is entrenched in pop culture yeah. and then slap them in something else, which is also in the same world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not I'm not shocked by it. 
But um, cool. I, I would say I know you said you're not going to confirm, but I reckon it's one of the core four, yeah. like the young, the younger kids. I, I yeah. I don't see the older ones going in. Just because I think nowadays, Disney have got to be thinking, we need these guys for as long as we can have them. Yeah. <laughs> if we get them in any age, like, you know, t- 10 Quite years old. the way you put it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but who knows. Um, uh, yeah, but so I think it's going to be one of the younger ones because, I, you know, yeah. I mean, there is... I don't think there's a time limit to this Disney stuff, this Marvel thing. I think there should yeah. be, but I feel like it's just going to be in our lives now for, for eternity. It will keep going until the box office starts dwindling, I think, and then yeah. But then it will only take a couple of years off, and then we'll get a massive old reboot and reset. I have got um, a question for you two, though. Actually, Ooh. it's a bit of a weird one, Mike, because obviously when I see people now that know me, uh, like friends and family, or distant friends, or friends of friends and stuff, every now and again they might bring up the podcast, um, and. Without me even prodding or, or or asking any questions, there's been two or three people over the past maybe few months or maybe even a little bit later before, but it never really hit until I've started hearing it more and more. Hmm. And these are people that have always been like pretty solid Marvel fans and been up, up to date with it and, and enjoyed most of it. And all of them, and without me even pushing or trying to say anything, all of them have said that they they're like really they feel like it's totally dipped in quality over the last few releases and some of them mm. even just being like i'm done with it now it's just like it's too much they're just it's going on too long and yeah it's not what it was and and i just wanted to know like is there a, i mean it's hard because obviously i haven't seen them but do you is that a is that a is there a a consensus out there from people going like you know what this is too much now this should have ended xyz or and also do you think it's dipped and i don't know if you're even going to want to answer that to me but like mm. do, do you get what i'm saying i thought it was something to bring up because i kind of i find it quite interesting especially some yep. of the people that have told me who were like hardcore fans mm-hmm. of it so i guess we'll double team this answer what i okay. will say consensus is a strong word mm. and phase four which we are very close to entering is the is much larger than phases one, two, and three combined. Yeah, yeah, you said actually, yeah. So all this time we've been doing this podcast, we are still on phase three, and we're about to hit the phase that is as big as all of them. That's crazy. That is mental. So Marvel have decided, obviously, if you're going to have that much content, it can't all be the same old shtick. So they decided to play around with genre, play around with tone, maybe even audience demographic, maybe, potentially on a couple of bits. Um, So it would be a near miracle if everything landed as hard as, let's say, Infinity War did. Sure. So from my personal point of view, there's been a couple of things that I've appreciated. There's not been anything I've not enjoyed. There's been a few things that I thought, hello, this is very fucking good. And there's been a couple of things recently where which I've fallen head over heels for. So, okay, yes, there's there's mm. a lot out there and there's a, it's, it's a lot. It's, there's lots of variety and it's never going to last. I think that's the best way we could have put it without giving too much of our own thoughts away. All right. Yeah, except from what George said. He said there's nothing he outright hated. There's one thing I outright hated. 
Interesting. Okay. But you'll have to listen to the podcast to find <laughs> out what. Stay tuned. Yes. So, shall we jump into Ant-Man and the Wasp? I've been anticipating that question. Oh, see, I avoided all of them puns because I thought I'd bled it dry the first time. <laughs> so far, so good. Skip the compliments. Let's get on with it. So, uh, please allow me to do a brief background on the film before we jump into your reactions to the film. Boy, so bear with me. Now, this is likely going to be and feature the least amount of drama in the film background section of the pod maybe we've ever had. Mm. Which is saying something due to how horrendous the production was with the first film. You know, with uh, with our first Ant-Man movie, all the casting changes, the writer changes, and obviously Edgar Wright developing the film for years before, you know, saying see you later. The shoot for Ant-Man and the the Wasp was an absolute breeze. So, Colin, this is the 20th Marvel Studios movie. Uh, We have still yet to have a film with a female superhero at the forefront. And Marvel Studios were quite rightly starting to get a bit of stick about this. So they said, yes, we we, we hear you. Uh, we know as well. We're going to correct this very, very soon. We're going to feature a whole group of diverse characters very soon as well. And their first effort, I, I guess I should put in speech marks, was Ant-Man and the Wasp. So yes, sure, the Wasp, still played by Evangeline Lily, is in the title, so it's not technically a solo movie, but Baby Steps, I guess guess now writing for the this film started almost immediately after the first one's released so adam mckay who was the writer and director of anchorman and stepbrothers etc um he did some of the story work after edgar wright's departure on the first film and he was brought in on this as well to help with some story elements for the sequel and two guys two writers called chris mckenna and eric summers they were two writers who did some really good work on parts of the spider-man homecoming script were also brought in to brush up some of the script as well uh, now obviously most of the film was already cast with most with everyone returning um but obviously there was the big question uh, of who should marvel get to play janet van dyne now marvel were very sneaky not to show her face in the first ant-man movie there's a scene where all of our characters look at a picture of her i think but her face is covered by a hat a big, yeah, big i brought that time. up i brought that yeah. up <laughs> it's a big next time baby moment yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then so kevin feige and his room full of producers and peyton reed the returning writer and director was there and um some of the writers as well he said, right, let's make a list of all the people that we feel would make a great Janet Van Dyne and then let's reach out to them one by one. And he said, but bear in mind, I kind of feel like it should be like a Michelle Pfeiffer type actress. So make your list. And he was immediately stopped and said, have we reached out to Michelle Pfeiffer? Nice. No. Um, So they reached out, they had dinner, they... um, told her about the plot of the next one uh, some details about the character and straight away she said yes so going into the sequel Peyton Reed also knew that he wanted to do two very specific things with this movie he didn't want it to be another heist movie like the first instead he wanted a more on the run type movie and he also said there seems to be a trend in superhero comic book movies where the villain is very similar to the hero 
he kind of proved himself with that one, with the first Ant-Man movie, with the villain being Yellow Jacket, which is essentially another sort of Ant-Man suit. And so him and his writers dove into hundreds of uh, Marvel comic books, um, trying to find their villain. And they landed upon a villain called Ghost. Now, Ghost in the comic books is a male character. Um, so they, they gender swapped the character for this film. And in the comic books as well, Ghost and Ant-Man have never crossed paths. Ghost is an Iron Man villain. Currently today, Ghost is still in the comic book, still going. He's a bit of an anti-hero at the moment. Um, he's part of a group of villains that do missions for a very shady part of the government. Think Marvel's Suicide Squad. And they are called the Thunderbolts. And the Thunderbolts now have their own comic book series as well. And Ghost is part of them. So why was this movie straight after Endgame? I hear you screaming, Colin John Brain. Well, uh, Peyton Reed, whilst developing this sequel was also brought into a meeting with the Russo brothers, who, even though they'd just finished Infinity War, wanted to make sure that there were some seeds planted, some breadcrumbs, shall we say, for their next big movie. So maybe, maybe, we'll get to it. As it looks now, is Ant-Man and the Wasp a filler movie? Some people could call it that, I guess. Um, and we'll definitely find out your thoughts in a minute. But there are some elements to Ant-Man and the Wasp that will play a huge part down the line very soon. And so, on July 6th, 2018, Ant-Man and the Wasp was released to cinemas. It had an opening weekend of $75.8 million. Which, to be honest, compared to other Marvel projects, isn't loads. But bear in mind, the opening weekend of the first Ant-Man movie took $57.2 million. So, it's, you know, it's a good $20 million above. So Marvel Studios were happy. These films were, are never designed to be massive record breakers like the Avengers movies. And, you know, saying that, by the end of its run, it did gross $620 million. So it's still nothing to be scoffed at, really. And so that brings us to the question that every week we love and hate. Colin Brain. What did you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp? Well, I'd be lying if I said I enjoyed any of this one. Whoa. <laughs> Apart from maybe the, the, the mid-credit scene or whatever you call it at the end. Mm, um, yes. I'm, tr I'm trying to find a way of putting this where I don't just come across like a massive, miserable piece of shit. Because <laughs> um, <clears throat> I know that's how it can come across sometimes. Um, Never. <laughs> But I think the, the the best way I can explain my thought process into this. Well, firstly, I'm I'm an honest man, as you both know, and I'm sure our mm -hmm. listeners know by this point. So I feel the need to um, tell the the listeners that I actually watched this film like middle of December because we had we had a date lined up to record this episode. Yeah, and um, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was it was George wrong. got the sniffles. Yeah, so, oh. yeah, that was probably yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, he was very ill. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I watched it then um, on the day of the day we were meant to record it, and it was a chore. It was a chore to get through. It's too long for a start. I mean, there's so many points of this that I'm, I'm, I could harp on about. But what happened to just being able to make a film in 90 minutes and just wrap up a story like that? That just doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. Like, what yeah. happened to that? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, this film is far too long. 
it's it's overly stuffed with non-characters and there's very little development for any of them by the end of it for me at the point that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Also, I haven't rewatched it since and it's now the 16th of January. <laughs> so a lot of it's gone, as you can imagine. Because it was it was hard to sit through in the first place. If we'd yep. done the podcast on the day, a lot of it would have stuck. But that was like a month ago, man. We've mm-hmm. I've had fucking all sorts of shit happened since then and I haven't really been thinking about Ant-Man and the Wasp much. <laughs> so I am a little bit worried that I'm not going to have a whole lot to really, really delve into deep on the on the deep dive because you mm-hmm. asked me about some characters. I can't even remember who half people are in it. But we're, so, obviously I will, I will um, try my best. Um, yeah, we'll be doing broad strokes today, don't you worry. And I, and I think what I've just said already is probably enough to sum up most of my feelings on the film. But I will also say that you have to remember, right, I'm not into this stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not overly bothered about, like, the, the, like the, uh, the little, all of the, like, little details of the, every single character and, and this, that, and the other. I was loving what happened by the end of Infinity War. You know that. Four yep. stars. That's a big score for me. Mm-hmm. We've, we've already confirmed that at the beginning of today's episode. So, like, I just want to fucking carry on with that shit. Like, I don't want to go backwards <laughs> and have to watch some dude under house arrest bounce around and have another it's all about family film. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm just... it's. I, I don't care, man. Let's just get on with it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it might come across ignorant, but I'm sorry. I just don't care about these guys. And I, like you just said, George, earlier, it sounds like maybe there are parts of this that do, you know, have have um, like a meaning and, and whatever. Yeah. You can just tell me that. You tell me that on the next one, what happened. Like, you know, like, oh, that bit came from, from oh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. For sure, yeah. Because most of it was... It just wasn't for me, man. It felt... Mm. It felt it like the tone change from Infinity War to that is just so, so crazy. Yeah, so I crazy. almost think in a um, in a early edition of um, Rob rewrites the film. Please do it, mate. You could um, smash a film like this. In, fa- a in fairness, I I kind of just think the main my main issue with the thing is is where it's placed. I think mm. it coming after that. It, that is the main thing, yeah. Coming straight after Infinity War when expectations were like... It's like if people had gone to see The Dark Knight and then the next film was a solo Robin film. Mm. You don't. You want to see the continuation of that story. You don't mm. want to see... Even so, setting it before Infinity War shoots itself in the foot a little bit because yeah. you could have a break... Colin had a break from the film of just a few weeks. We had, I think, a few months... Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen wow, next? Yeah, and then yeah, suddenly yeah. it starts, and you're like, oh, it's not set. Yeah, it's what if yeah. instead? Um, come, on, come on, Rob, save it. What if it's, <laughs> you could do it's the same? <laughs> it released after Black Panther, before Infinity War. You have your mid-credit sequence. Scott goes in to the quantum thing. All you hear is him saying, "Guys, guys," and he gets no answer. We don't see him turn to dust. Mm-hmm. We don't get that context. Be it would be good, but I also feel like uh, without without maybe we should save some of this for when we do the deep dive. But it it felt like a sort of rehash of what we had already seen in the first one. But all the bits that I kind of enjoyed, like some of the humor and some of the like the action scenes and the sequences where he'd go small and big, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Like that just felt so played out by this point. It's like we've seen all this, we've seen all this already. Like it feels like we're just beating a dead horse by this point. And I yeah. get it, man. If you guys love Ant Man and you grew up on the comics and shit, I'm sure anyone like that is just happy to see those characters on screen. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you're into that shit, I get it. I'm just not. So yep. it just became more of a chore to mm-hmm. watch. And I don't feel like I got that much out of it. And we will be sort of definitely be asking that question as well in terms of the fight scenes and you know did they do anything new with it or anything like that but it's definitely coming up soon so before we do that rob how was the rewatch for you the rewatch was was all right actually it was i could definitely i was kind of going into it for the first time thinking out more than any of the other films oh god carly this <laughs> like because when we recorded <laughs> infinity war already so i knew you was not looking forward to it but also the whole way through, I was seeing that whole thing of why was it placed in between? Mm. Like it's, I, that was my main thing that was just going through my head the whole time, which of course wasn't really the case when I saw it at the cinema. Um, and I think I'd only watched it once after going to the cinema yeah. to see it. So I think this time around was a lot more looking at it from the other side of the saga. I'm thinking this is a weird placement. Mm. it certainly is it's been a while since i've revisited ant-man and the wasp and i you know what i thought it started off very well uh i I found it actually a little bit compelling i found it really really funny as well and i I thought it's a bit i was having a blast seeing these characters again but then rather you know the film sort of storm through the finish line all victorious um i found it sort of just trotted to the finish line and Mm. it did lose me a little bit by the end of the film unfortunately and you know, con- considering, like I said, it's little breadcrumbs to the, the next Russo Brothers project. It's weird. We've ended up with a film that feels inessential, but is in fact rather quite essential to the MCU. So That's it's just, crazy. It's this weird mm. little beast of a film that, um, yeah, I guess we'll now do a bit of a deep dive on and uh, get into some specifics. So, two years after Scott Lang was placed under house arrest due to his involvement with the Avengers in violation of the Sokovia Accords. Hank Pym and his daughter, Hope Van Dyne, briefly managed to open a tunnel to the quantum realm. They believe that Pym's wife, Janet Van Dyne, might be trapped there after shrinking to subatomic levels in 1987. (laughs) Now, what instrument was that? That's a bugle, George, you know that. (laughs) Yep. Brilliant. No more trumpets for me. It's bugle time, baby. New year, new me. <laughs> oh, so Peyton nice. Reed, um, he did a delightful audio commentary. He was actually, you know, very insightful. Did you say audio? Easy. What? Audio, audio commentary. George, I've got an abscess on my <laughs> wisdom tooth. You can shove any mispronunciations up your tuchus. The trumpets will help me. Give me some trumpets. That'll knock that abscess right out. I think it might wake my son up. So I'm gonna. They may be sparse tonight. Um, but he opens on a recycled shot from the first film of the house. Um, yeah, the house that they, you know, uh, Hank lives in when they do the flashback scene and the de aging and all that stuff. Um, and who doesn't like a bit of recycling? That's very true. Yeah. Thank you for that um, for that little bugle commentary fact, Greta Thunberg. So, where was I? When uh, they believe that Pim's wife, Janet Van Dyne, might be trapped after we'll, shrinking... We'll try pronouncing that opening of that segment again. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> to subatomic levels in 1987. When he had previously visited the quantum realm... Oh my God, I've got an abscess right, now. Mate. Lang had unknowingly become quantumly entangled with Janet. And now he receives an apparent message from her. 
The amount of times I'm going to have to say quantum now. So, Colin, after watching the first Ant-Man... Oh, here we go. Audio commentary facts. The word quantum is said 22 times in the film. Oh, I'll give you that. Mm. Yep. And that was, yeah, it was good. It was it was on theme with where we were going. So, so Colin... One. Thank you. <laughs> after watching they the first... They always are. That's the point, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Can I can I talk? <laughs> We're Go back. For it, mate. Sorry, sorry. Twenty twenty three. So after watching the first Ant Man movie, you said that you hoped Scott Lang would stay away from all the big team up movies and just keep to his solo films. So now, after seeing a team up movie with Scott Lang with Civil War, and now after seeing his second solo movie, do you still stand by what you said? No. Oh. I also I I don't. Don't necessarily think I'd need to see him in anything again, mm-hmm. team or solo. So it's kind of yeah, it's a it's a no. I dis I I don't agree with my first thought, but I also, I mean, was he really in the team up one? Like he came in and he got massive. He, on the he airport, was in the right? German but, fight sequence, the airport sequence. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, wasn't in Infinity War. No, I can't say I'm I'm like aching to see him even as a big role in a team up one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it might get to that because we don't know who's even still alive at this point. So it's very true. But he is stuck in the quantum realm, though. So it might be a while till we see him again, mm. if we do. Uh, and Colin, also, how was so plot story all aside? Mm-hmm. How was Paul Rudd in this for you? It, yeah, I mean, and this is another thing. Like that, I probably should have said. The film isn't made badly. It's not the acting's great. The effects are fine. Everything is like good, but it's like I need a little bit more than that. You yeah. know, the, the, this come well, Disney and Marvel like they've got all the chips, man. They should have the best special effects. They should be able to get the best this, the best that. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think when I watch something like a movie or or a TV show. I want to like feel. I want. I want to feel something by the end of it. Like I want to either feel like inspired to do something. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like emotional about what I've just watched. I want to feel maybe like I've learned something about life or like mm-hmm. you know or relationships and stuff. And I just generally that is missing a lot of the time from these. Yeah. And in this one, it was for me. It was. It was almost non-existent. There was just for a few too many characters thrown in that mm-hmm. were just not. Like man, Walton Goggins, like I love that dude, and yeah. it just, just, just control fucking delete, man. Like get rid of him for this one. It was a waste. I'm sorry. I'm gonna sorry. Carry on. We'll get on to him. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rob, glad to see Paul Rudd back in the MCU. Yeah, he's dependable, isn't he? Yeah, he's, for sure. he's always entertaining. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's. I think there's there's a few key moments which I'm sure we'll get to later in more depth, but like the. When he is entangled and he's not fully Scott Lang. Yes. Some really, really funny performance moments mm-hmm. and he really like nails those bits. Yeah, um, yeah I think he's great. He, he's, he just carries on like Scott Lang's just as uh, interesting and as endearing as he was in the in the first one. I don't think he sort of crosses a line to being annoying or anything like that. No, no, I agree. You know, and uh, all parts of the opening sequence as well, I'm really into, you know, Scott and Cassie playing playing a heist in his house, I think is so much fun with all the homemade elements involved. I think it's, you know, yeah. it is, it's a nice palate cleanser considering, you know, the last thing we saw in the MCU before this scene was, you know, Cap sitting in a forest f- surrounded by a whole field of ash. And What does the, he say? Uh, oh, God. 
<laughs> oh God. Um, I, I, I love Cassie's I eat fear for breakfast and he goes, wow, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like it all. And um, yeah, Paul Rudd's got some great moments in this film as well. Like, yeah, the moment where he does become entangled with Janet is, it, 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 it only just works, but it does work. It is very, it's a great, mainly because of Paul Rudd as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Paul Rudd, you you can you can come back you can find a way to that quantum realm please <laughs> so with only days left of house arrest lang contacts pym about janet and despite the strained relationship they have because of lang's actions with the avengers now hope and pym kidnap lang uh, leaving a large ant with lang's ankle monitor on as a decoy so as not to arouse the suspicions of fbi agent jimmy wu so, Colin, does Ant-Man and the Wasp still make Hope and Hank Pym interesting, compelling characters? Or are you already bored of them both now? And also, does Wasp live up to her potential now this is, I guess, a half-solo movie for her? I mean, I don't know if I'd agree with that, that it's a half-solo movie for her, mm. if I'm honest. I, it didn't feel like that. So you feel like you feel like the tit- the title's more of like a look. We've done a female so- superhero movie. Well, but... to be honest, it, I, I mean, it didn't even it didn't even imply that to me. It was just like okay, the what? I, I mean, they kind of hinted at the wasp in the in the first one, right? Um, it's the yeah. post credit so scene, yeah. Exactly. So um, I gathered that it was going to be, but to me and and the film itself still felt like an Ant Man movie. Mm-hmm. It, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting you said that actually, because obviously I don't have that context going into watching these. That the build-up was a lot more around like we need a female character, like a stronger female yeah. lead role, which which obviously I'm all for. But no, I didn't get that feeling throughout this at all. I sometimes feel like there's a comma after the Ant Man. Yeah, so it's exactly. like Ant Man. Yeah, and the Wasp. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'd agree with that, man. But I think at the same time, you know, seeing that some of the little trouble Marvel was getting themselves in, I think by calling it Ant Man Two. Maybe they yeah. could have got in a bit more trouble, so maybe they just had to go with Ant Man and the Wasp. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I guess so. But no, it didn't feel. Like, it felt like a standalone Ant Man film to me. And so, were they were they still compelling, both her and Hank Pym, or Hank Pym, shall we say? I mean, Scott, <laughs> you stole my suit again, Scott. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like. I, I was barely in this film from the beginning, to be honest. And and I I do I actually remember turning to Stacey um, after I'd finished it, and I said like, if it wasn't for the fact I'm doing a podcast on this, oh, no. I think at probably minute fifteen to twenty, I would have just gone, this film ain't for me. And yeah. like that's fine, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You yeah. must cool. do that every yeah. now and again. I'm sure you put films on, and you know you get fifteen twenty minutes into it, and you just go. It's just ain't for me. I mean, they're not. All, they can't all be for all of us. I tend to give films more of a go, but TV shows, one hundred percent. Maybe to, I should. Yeah. By episode two, if I'm like, uh-uh. even if me and Anna are watching the show together, I'll be like, over to you. You can binge it. I'm done. Yeah. So with TV shows, I find I've got a lot less patience. But films, I, I tend to give. I try. I, to be fair, with films, I generally would maybe give a little bit longer than fifteen, twenty minutes. But I think because it's an MCU film and like. <laughs> I'm already at the point where we had just finished um, Infinity War and it was just like, oh, come on, man. Like, I don't care about this one. I just, I know I'll probably sound like a little, um, like a, a casual fan of MCU to only want like the the main meat and veg story. But that's the only thing that's got me. So yeah, that's all I'm really, I'm a, that's all I'm really wanting at the moment. And all these extra bits, I understand that I, it's necessary for me to watch them because I'm sure all these little bits that I might be looking at and going, oh, this is a waste of time, bollocks. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure they will all, you know, come back and, and there's a reason for it. But yeah, I mean, you said at the beginning, filler. Um, it felt like a filler, but clearly there were things that I, uh, I'm i going to have needed to remember, like not, you've said not, that they come loads, back. Not loads, but a couple of little things, yeah, yeah, for sure. Rob, before this movie was filmed, Peyton Reed made a personal promise to Michael Douglas that Hank Pym this time around would not be a walking, talking exposition machine. Did he keep that promise or did he break it? I, I don't think he... I think... <laughs> if you'd argue semantics, I don't think he just does exposition. But at the same time, I don't think he does much else other than sort of do little jibes at Scott. Yeah. Like, you, you want a juice box? <laughs> I don't Scott. think Michael Douglas has a ton to do in this. No, no, which is a shame because I love I love old Dougie. Mm. <laughs> Grew up on the the Dougie's films. <laughs> yeah, move your top your top Michael Douglas film. Falling down, yes. Oh, falling down, <laughs> falling down is very good. Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what other great performances. The game, the David yeah, Fincher film, is very good. Um, I really. <laughs> I watched uh, Basic Instinct growing up, but not just for the sexiness. Yeah, whatever. For the compelling, <laughs> for the compelling thriller elements. <laughs> nice. That VHS was worn dry. Oh, come on, dude. Oh, gold. Come on now. It's a family show. I don't think it was that bad. <laughs> what she <I just> said. <laughs> Behind the camera. I said, I said worse to Rob uh, when I met oh, him in person yesterday, but that's not did. that's not making what? the pod. Hold on, hold on. No. Okay, you have to tell me that afterwards. I'll, no, I'll tell you now, but I'll just set it out. One disturbing story later. I can stay in the pod for sure. No, no way. way. Okay, all right. No Absolutely way. not. That's gone. My, my mother okay. listens to this. Oh, yeah, true, uh. true. <laughs> so she'll be like, what right, did you sorry. say? What did you say sorry, to Rob? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talking, go back to Dougie. The other the other film I love of his is Behind the Candelabra, which is... Oh, okay. yeah. The, um, did, Sto- yeah. did Soderbergh do that? Or am I chatting up my He ass? did, yeah, but yeah. it got... It got. Um, it wasn't allowed to go up for Oscars because it was technically in America. It was an HBO, technically treated as a TV movie, mm. but in the UK it was released in cinemas. Yeah, oh. and it really should. He, he's incredible in it. Great, great nice. film. Matt Damon very good in that as well. Mm. Also, yeah, Matt Damon plays mm. someone called Scott. So it's very, you could easily probably do an audio edit <laughs> where you make Ant Man. <laughs> A lot more perverse. A lot. <laughs> Scott, why'd you never want to go on top, Scott? <laughs> For you guys, obviously, you know, Michael Douglas is a... You're obviously a fan of his acting. And mm. when you see him in films like this, in the roles that he gets, does it not frustrate you a little bit? Or are you just happy to see him on screen? Still, I'm always happy to see him. Yeah, yeah I think it's... You know, I can be slightly disappointed when we, you know, talk about it and be like, oh, it's a shame we didn't get that much to do. But... It's still, I'm still very, very happy watching him in a film like this. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> like, um, we're, we're, we're wearing disguises. What do you mean disguises? We're like us at a baseball game. <laughs> like, that's one of my favourite little yes. <laughs> moments with him. Brilliant. So, moving on. Uh, believing the message from Janet is confirmation that she is still alive, the trio work to build a stable quantum tunnel so they can take a vehicle to the quantum realm and retrieve her. 
they arranged to buy a part needed for the tunnel from black market dealer Sonny Birch. Um, so, before we get into Sonny Birch, I think my favourite line of the film is around from just maybe before this sequence. And it's when Hope and Hank are discussing with Scott about the, the, the vision or the dream he had of... Um, being uh he was he's 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 in the pov isn't he of janet playing hide and seek with hope as when she's a little girl mm. and he says oh it's just a silly little dream and uh hope says the little girl was she in the closet and he's like yeah and then she it's this really emotional moment and the music swells and she looks at hank and she says that's that's where i hid every single time and scott just goes I don't think you quite understood the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, to me, yes, the highlight of the film. So, wow. Um, I, well, that might be saying something. Yes. <laughs> so, our first villain, Colin, or, well, should we call him a villain? Sonny Birch, played by, yes, the one and only Walton Goggins. So, we've kind of already hinted at it here that, because I, I believe that, you know, you're, you're both fans of the shield. So Colin, oh, he was incredible mm. in the shield. So Colin, you must've yeah. been happy to see him pop up. Like the I whole, was extremely happy. Yeah. There you I go. Mean, again, cause it's like, I, well, I, what I said earlier about like f- feeling emotional and stuff when you're watching things. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but like, there was a part in the shield where I, me and Stacy, I watched it with her, rewatched it with her, sorry, and we were bawling. Mm. I'm talking like how George gets over, like you know, everything, a John Lewis Christmas advert or something. But um, <laughs> we, yeah, we we were <laughs> yeah. we were bawling. Uh, so like someone like Walton Goggins, uh, you know, has a place when you're like, fuck yeah, man, this guy knows knows what he's doing from an actor point of view, and and clearly, yeah. But with this, it was just. <sighs> just disappointment again, mate. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, another cu- cardboard cutout of fucking fill-in-the-blank villain that gets thrown around in... I don't know. It just it just didn't do much for me, man. It didn't do much for me. So it wasn't like a sort of, like a me and Rob, happy to see Michael Douglas in the MCU, even though he doesn't get a ton to do, we're still happy to see him? Or was the whole time you were just like, what have they done to him? I mean, it's, it's a bit of both, really. I mean, you're happy to see him initially because you're like, oh, I like this guy. Mm-hmm. But then when the more you watch it and the more you go, well... Are they really using Walton, Walton Goggins to the potential that he can give in a film? And yeah. the answer that, to that question for me would be no. Um, so, Colin, well, that question you've just asked, let's ask Rob. Um, being a fan mm. of him as well, did they make full use of Walton Goggins? No. There's, there's the line later on where Ant-Man's like, I'm looking for a southern gentleman with a lab. And that's kind of... I can imagine all they put on the casting sheet. <laughs> We're looking for a southern gentleman, and and uh, you know, uh, someone's like, "Who's who's a greater playing sort of southern sort of hits?" Yeah. <laughs> Goggins. You go to the Goggins, don't you? Every time. Goggins. But they didn't really give him any um, any depth past that. I think like something that I found interesting on the um, oh, what do you call it? The audio commentary facts was that Peyton Reed said that he wanted the film to have a feel of almost like the Big Lebowski in that you've got someone that's dragged into this big long caper, many of the characters pop in and pop out, you know, can affect only one scene, but then, you know, some of them can be inconsequential Mm -hmm. and it is just like a long caper. I don't think he succeeds at that, but I can see, yeah, I can see it. 
<laughs> if you, you get, get the intention. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, I can see the, the intention. The Cohen brothers he is not, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> and the characters are uh, not as interesting as the characters in Big Lebowski. Definitely not. So Birch realises the potential profit to be made from Pym's research and double-crosses them. Donning the wasp outfit, Hope fights off Birch and, and him and his men are attacked by a quantumly unstable masked woman. Scott Lang also tries to help to fight off this ghost, but the woman escapes with Pym's lab, which is now shrunk down to the size of a suitcase. Okay, so now actually properly villain time. Mm. Colin, how was Ghost for you? And where does she rank in the pantheon of villains? At the top, at the bottom, somewhere in the middle, does Thanos need to be scared? (laughs) (laughs) Just had Thanos, haven't we? That's the thing, that's the problem. Yeah, I think that doesn't help at all, does it? Going going from just where we were to what we ended up in in this film. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like that's kind of what Rob was saying at the beginning, which is it's hard not to think that while you're watching this film. Um, I would say, and again, this isn't saying a lot, but out of all of the characters in the film, I think this character was the one that was the most intriguing and probably stuck with me to the point where I would like to see more. Hmm. Um, I feel like, I mean, the outfit though, or the suit or whatever you want to call it, that was straight from Star Wars, man. That looked like that, was, that they had ripped that from like a Star Wars world. Yeah. Like it felt very Star Wars Yeah, to it's, me. it's, a, it's um, a striking image. It's, uh, yeah, striking mm. is one way to put it. Um, so yeah, I mean, intrigued to see more. But in terms of like, where is she on the scale of villains? Mm-hmm. Not high, but yeah. not low. Just, but to be fair, man, there's not many that are high. Most of them are low. So yeah. she's just kind of floating around in that pile of most of them. <laughs> You know <laughs> that, that old pile, um, <laughs> the fucking pile. <laughs> so then, same to you, Rob. How is Ghost for you in Ant Man and the Wasp? I I do quite like her. I think he Hannah John came and does a good good performance as well. Like she, I think she really sells that moment when she just sort of says, "I'm in constant pain," mm-hmm. and you you buy it. I think I think that's for generally the one thing that makes you sort of empathise with her. Yeah, and you again, you can totally see why you you get her motives as a villain mm-hmm. because who wouldn't? I mean, I know I've mentioned it a little bit, but I've got an abscess on my wisdom tooth. I'm in constant pain. <laughs> I would I would kidnap Michael Douglas's suitcase in a heartbeat right now if someone could take away that pain. <laughs> Brilliant. I to, I'm on the same page as Ghost. Relatable. Yeah, very relatable. <laughs> but yeah, she's all right. She's not like. But the thing is, I don't think any one antagonist in this film is given enough of a push to be a main villain. Mm-hmm, it's like there's sort of three semi-antagonists. You've got mm-hmm. the law and Jimmy Woo, yep. you've got Sonny Birch, and you've got Ghost. Mm-hmm. And they're all trying to vie for the same thing. But because of that, there's no one sort of and overarching... Because- he wants this film to be the big Lebowski. Mm. No one can really take the forefront and the center. Yeah. So you've just got sort of like three average villains rather than one really compelling one. Mm. Yeah. I do. I, I will say that I do like the fact that, you know, it does make us as the audience start to ask ourselves if ghost is actually a villain, you know, is, mm. is someone that just desperately wants to live. And as you said, Rob, to be out of constant pain, 
Is, yeah. is, is, is that mean, enough to call them a villain? Well, I would say she's only a villain if you're looking at her through the eyes of Scott Lang, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's a villain to those guys, but like you just said to to her, like that's that doesn't seem like a very villain, villainous thing to do. Just not want to be in pain anymore. Yeah, if if she had her own solo movie, then Scott could easily be looked at as the villain. Yeah, piece as well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely refreshing having an antagonist that you know doesn't want to destroy the world or or kill the superhero, but. You know, what they're doing is just wanting to cure themselves of something that's horrible that's happening to them. Um, I'm definitely on board with that. So Pym reluctantly takes Hope and Lang to visit his estranged former partner, Bill Foster, who gives them a way to locate the lab. After they find it, the ghost captures the trio and reveals herself to be Ava Starr. Now, her father, Elias, was another of Pym's former partners who died along with his wife during an experiment that caused her unstable state. Foster enters and reveals that Ava is dying and is in constant pain as a, as a result of her condition. They plan to cure her using Janet's quantum energy. But believing that this will kill Janet, Pym refuses to help them and escapes with Hope, Lang and the lab. So surprisingly, here's a question I realise maybe we don't usually ask. And I think seeing this is almost a film review podcast, maybe we should. Mm. I think you've already answered it though, Colin. But plot wise, (laughs) was there anything in here that compelled you? You know... You may, you know, were you moved by the story of Ava? Could you empathise with her? What about, you know, the relationship between her and um, Bill Foster? Did you care? You know, dramatically, did this film work for you or not? It definitely didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I had very little care for anything in this film. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm just being honest. No, dude, and I love it. I love it. You know it. what I mean? Like, um, it, it just didn't, it didn't connect up with me how some things do some things don't and i'm very much if i'm in i'm in if i'm not then turn it off and move on like i haven't i just i don't have the patience for it i guess Mm -hmm. maybe it's a patience thing maybe it's i don't know what it is but there wasn't a lot in this where i was generally um i I didn't feel invested in much of it and like you just like we just spoke about the ghost character that was the only point where i felt like there was a bit more layers to it Mm -hmm. and there was like some there was a bit more reason for why she's there Mm -hmm. and it just felt like so many of the characters in this film i mean i'm sure yes you could give me an answer to why are they in this film there's an answer to it but i just don't know if it's particularly legitimate and necessary sometimes the answer and it might be the case for this film is because the plot needs them to be and that's not usually what she should be the answer. Nah, man. No, man. I mean, I remember you showing me a film years and years ago. Fuck, I just got to try and remember the name of it now. It's called like The Disappearance of Alice Someone. The Disappearance Alice of Creed. Alice Creed. And that was three people in the entire film. Yes. And that film to me, I mean, it could be terrible to rewatch it now. I don't oh, know how, how long ago it was. But I remember enjoying that. And I was I was at least into it. Mm-hmm. I was, I, and like, so, and that was three people in the entire film. So yeah. I don't, I don't know what the need is to slam so many people in these mm-hmm. um but a lot i feel like that has come up a few times throughout us doing this is it, sometimes it just feels like there's one too many villain or there's there's an overstuffed mm. amount of people that yep. like you said are there to deliver the plot but like is that then good writing i mean i don't know I, you you guys can answer that question mm. um like is that just the way it's done is that just you accept that and you move on you, or is that laziness you've just reminded you know? me of a piece of script writing maybe script structuring advice given by the two guys that wrote south park oh um and to be honest 
it's a damn good piece of advice. When you write a script and you lay your story out, it should never be, and I think Ant-Man and Wasp suffers because of this, it should never be, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. You know, looking that on a piece of paper, you might think, yeah, fuck yeah, that's pretty good. It shouldn't be that. It should be, this happens, but because of that, this happens. But then because of that, this yeah, happens. Yeah. Everything should feel consequential and propulsive instead of mm. that. Instead of Ant-Man and the Wasp, to me, feels like we are going from scene to scene with, um, I don't know, it, it lacks that propulsiveness to me, I guess. Um, I don't know if... And you... this one... Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, Karen. No, I was just about to say, I don't know if Rob agrees or disagrees or whether he found any of the plot entirely compelling, but... No, I feel you could probably remove the Sunny Birch um, element completely and have it be a focus of Ghost pursuing them and, you know, Scott's trying to help Hank and and um, Hope at the same time as trying to pass his house arrest and Jimmy Woo and Ghost being the only two antagonists and it would be a lot less sort of... Mm-hmm. A bit more focused, I think. And also you've got the fact that you, they could have had... I know it's sort of a light-hearted caper, but it, it would have been nice to have had some sort of almost conflict between for Wasp because she could learn that Ghost is a, you know, a sort of product of losing a parent through this sort of quantum experimentation as much as she lost her mother. And it's like... Should we be helping her? But I want my mum back at the same time. And what's the right thing to do there? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just sort of think it, it's a sort of what sequence can we do next? Mm. Like you say, it's very much like okay, now we've got a car chase with Hot Wheels cars, yeah, and now we've got this and then this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the more I think really about feel... it, the more Evangeline Lilly as Wasp is almost a a passenger in this film. She's a witness. I'm struggling mm. to re- think of any of the big moments she gets, apart from the action sequences. You know, she gets it. She gets a great action sequence um, when she first meets Sonny Birch in in the kitchen and stuff like that. I think it's it's a very yeah. good sequence, but uh. yeah, she doesn't really get much more to do. Mm. Even like it's Scott that instigates them reaching out to kidnapping him and things. Like she yeah. does it because he's the one that instigates that calling out. Yeah, so she does have sort of lack agency, I guess. That's the word I was looking for, yeah. So, opening a stable version of the tunnel, Pim, Hope and Lang are able to contact Janet, who gives them a precise location to find her, but warns they only have two hours before the unstable nature of the realm separates them for a century. Using a truth serum, Birch learns the trio's location from Lang's business partners, Louise dave and kurt and informs a contact at the fbi Luis warns lang who rushes home before Wu can see that he is violating his house arrest pim and hope are arrested by, by the fbi allowing ava to again take the lab so colin has mentioned not only do our core cast return but we even have the return of scott's friends and now colleagues Luis, dave and kurt happy to see these dudes back or do they add to the list of too many characters I mean, a, a little bit of both, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they were implemented in a different way in this film, then it would have been nice to have had them in there because they were they were an element that I remember enjoying from the first one. Yeah, they added little little different 
elements of comedy and, and mm. whatever. Um, and if I'm totally honest with you, I can't even remember what they did in this one. <laughs> I'll be Yaga. It was nice to see him, I guess. <laughs> I, it, you know, it was it was nice, but then what, I don't know. what You're just going to have to remind me what they actually did. <laughs> Not too much. Luis, he, yeah, Luis was kind of involved in the... The main action sequence, I'd say, with the the Hot Wheels cars through yes, San Francisco. Yes, I do remember him being the most used out of those guys. Yeah, yeah, he was the one that was sort of like getting to play with the cars and sort of drive and, and keep. And during that sequence, Rob. Yeah, during that sequence, there was a, there was a few things that stood out to me actually. Um, you know, lots of things going small, lots of things going big, lots of things that were big going minuscule and shocking certain people. One of which made me go, Excelsior! And it was old Stan, wasn't it? He said, the 60s have not been good, have been kind to me, or something like that. <laughs> it's, my, it's maybe in my top three Stan Lee cameo. So he witnesses a car shrink, I think. His car, yeah. His he's about car. to try and get into and, it. And the line is, well, the 60s were fun, but I'm paying for it now. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's a good line. I like that. So good. And um, <laughs> to bring it down slightly, Colin, um, this is his, I think, penultimate cameo. No, there's oh, two more shit. after this. Okay. So right. what had happened, I remember why I've said that, is between this Ant-Man and the Wasp being released and the next film being released, he passed away. Oh, okay, but then but he, he had filmed another filmed. two. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Bless him. So, uh, Rob, yeah, like the trio. Happy to see him back. And have we already established that maybe they didn't have too much to do this time? It's weird they have this subplot, don't they? That they're trying to get this business deal underway. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah, no, and, I remember it now. Yeah, it's come yeah, back to me. It's very. And Luis is like constantly stressing and worrying about like what. What cakes and biscuits they're getting for the <laughs> the office and things like that? Yeah, they didn't have much to do, but I like I do like them as a trio, and I liked that small bit of progression that they had their own security company with Scott, and mm-hmm. which had a delightful pun being called XCon. Yes, um, mm. <laughs> I thought that was great. But yeah, like you say, they, we got another amazing Luis uh, when he's given the truth serum. Yes. And he starts oversharing in the same sort of montage format as the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching that bit actually, and I thought to myself, I was like, <laughs> "What I'm going to say?" Didn't you? <laughs> I was sat, sat there, and I thought that guy that's giving him the truth serum, and he keeps insisting that's not truth serum. It's not truth serum. I thought I've seen him. I think I've seen him. And I said to myself, "Who's that? Who's that? I've seen him before. Who's that? Who's that? I've seen him before." <laughs> That was, that was, I've got it noted down as Truth Serum Guy, but the character's called Usman, and he's played by Divian Ladwa, who, if you're a fan of the UK um, BBC show, The Detectorists, you would uh, you'd recognise him from there. Oh. I thought it was quite nice to see um, sort of a sort of supporting character in a small British show. That's good. Popping man, up yeah. in a, yeah, Good show as well, recommend it. Yes, I've never seen it, but um, my parents recommended it to me over the Christmas period. Um, they said they loved it. So um, maybe it's, it's added to the list of many, many shows I need to see. <laughs> so, yes, let's move on to then the film action sequences. So um, to me, and maybe I think this was reciprocated in the first episode of when we first did the first Ant-Man as well, it was one of the strongest elements of the first film. 
So Colin, you didn't feel like it was as fresh or as fun this time around? I would definitely agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Like again, like there's a lot of this film that isn't necessarily bad. It's just not that fresh, not that exciting, mm-hmm. and doesn't feel like it's pushing anything forward in a particularly strong manner. Yeah, yeah. This felt like it was just coasting, you know, for way too long. This film was way too long. Yeah, there's nothing as <laughs> as as fun as like the the fight in the briefcase going in in the, in the crashing oh, helicopter. That was, yeah, iconic, <laughs> iconic stuff. The um the Thomas the Tank Engine looks like it's going to be a massive explosion and just yep. dip on it on its side it's, yep. It's, yep. it's it loses the edgar wright um yeah like that had just gone from it, this it definitely yeah. makes you question what did edgar wright bring to the first one and then and joe yeah. cornish of and course. joe cornish of course um and then this time having to do a film without them makes you wonder maybe they did have more of an impact in that first film it, than we realized so rob were there any action beats in particular that did work for you I quite, as a fan of, um, like, my son is now obsessed with Hot Wheels cars and I couldn't be happier because mm-hmm. as a kid I was obsessed with them. Oh, yeah. So it's, um, it is really fun, like, that sequence where they're doing the driving through the city and trying to follow the ants and jumping from one car to another and swapping and changing what cars they're using and things like that. Yep. I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, action-wise, I really like anything with Ghost. I thought they got to do some interesting stuff with her. Yeah, because visu- visually, again- considering her, I guess, power, if you don't make mm. any of those fight scenes visually interesting, you've definitely failed. But and they, they did some... Yeah, but then I there. just kept thinking, have we already seen this from the, the albino um, ghost twins from The Matrix yeah. Reloaded? <laughs> do you remember them? yeah. Yeah, I do remember those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of felt like a similar thing. Um, but I think more visually interesting here than it was than it was done in the Matrix. Yeah. I liked when she punched her shadow fist through old Dougie's neck. Mm. Well, that was a pretty um, grim image. I don't know if you would class it as an action sequence, but I quite like the sequence where um, Scott's in the the school and they did loads of false perspective with the. And making the score sound like it had been mm-hmm. shrunk as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, but again, it is like like you say, it's a bit of a wet fart, isn't it? Some of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Pim and Janet return safely from the quantum realm. Quantum realm, and <laughs> Janet voluntarily. Well, you might want to check your teeth, mate. <laughs> yeah, you might have got abscess there. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> Janet voluntarily gives some of her energy to Ava to temporarily stabilize her. Scott Lang returns home once again in time for a now suspicious Wu to release him at the end of his house arrest and Ava and Foster go into hiding. That was a quick one, boys. Um, I did have one last question at the end, at the end, which was, Colin, would you like to see Ghost again or would you like to see her to go into hiding? I think you've already answered that. So was there anything else you wanted to mention, lads? Jimmy Wu. Jimmy Wu, Jimmy Wu. yes. <laughs> I think of course was... played by John Krasinski uh, well I get that I've never watched the American Office but I, yeah. I get the reference so for, I don't know if college watched the American Office basically Randall Park the actor who plays Jimmy Woo there's a scene where John Krasinski's character is doing a prank on Dwight and um, fully replaces all photos of himself on his desk family photos and everything with Randall Park, and he comes in and pretends to be Jim and tries to convince him that he's always been <laughs> Jim. So now loads of people, whenever they see 
Randall Park in something and go, I love John Krasinski. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I do remember that episode as well, The Office. Oh, I didn't realise you'd seen it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it took me so long, man, to watch the American one because I was such a diehard of the English one. But I'm, mm. glad, I, I'm glad I went and watched it because it is very, very good. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I love Jimmy Woo generally. Like it. I think he had some of my biggest laughs, I think, from his interactions with Scott mm-hmm. throughout the whole Magic. film. I love when he when he leans to him and he's like, how did you do it, Scott? And he's like, do what? The magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and like when he leans into Cassie and he said, um, well, your school has rules, right? <laughs> like you can't draw on the walls. Well, your daddy went to Germany and drew on the walls with Captain America. <laughs> he's got just some lovely lines. And when he's like, I'll see you again, Scott. And <laughs> Scott's like, when? <laughs> like, I don't know, like dinner or <laughs> something yeah i just thought he was a really likable kind of um likable addition yeah. to this sort of ant-man world yeah for sure he yeah he, he's one of the, definitely one of the fun elements and uh randall park's always great um yeah good shout bringing that up anything else the dead silence <laughs> says everything nope yeah. okay so let's quickly move on to ratings then <laughs> um colin <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp, out of five. We're kicking 2023 off with some big, big scores today. Uh Uh-oh. The only way is up. 0.5 for me. 0.5. Wow. I think, yeah, only way definitely is up. Oh, crikey. If we had one more host, we could possibly do... 2023 without our scores today <laughs> we should, but i don't think it's possible okay uh wow 0.5 is that the lowest it's not the lowest that is <gasps> i think I'll I'll check. yeah that's definitely the lowest i haven't given a 0.5 yet. Wow. i gave a one but i think it was a bonus or something i don't know but wow okay that is the lowest score um we've definitely had from the mcu ones yeah. mm. um the lowest we've had otherwise was a one yeah. Um, and that was from me, surprisingly. Yeah, that was on the bonuses. Spider-Man 3? No, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so then, <laughs> uh, Rob, Ant-Man and the Wasp, out of five? Two. Mm, interesting. Good fun. Yeah. I think, like, I, think, I think Colin said the key word earlier. Um, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It, I don't think it's bad mm-hmm. it is just fine like i would consider scores that i've given for lower you know things like i think i gave the incredible hulk lower i just think it's it's like um if it was a tv show it'd be a great episode of an ant-man series yeah oh it's the episode where they're trying to stop the lab from getting into but as a film i don't think it yeah you know, i get it does what it needs enough yeah, well, for me, it's a it's a two and a half. For me, if if I rate a film two out of five, it usually means I just I I really struggle to care, and there's not a lot going for it. A one, I it to me, it just needs to be I need to be offended by that film, like it needs to offend me to my core, um, and it doesn't do that. My in my notes, I've wrote the word that Rob just said as well. It's fine. It's not necessarily bad filmmaking. You know, but like I said, it sort of lacks propulsion. The structure feels like it's hitting certain beats because it needs to. And it doesn't reach those. I mean, I look and look back at this and maybe, you know, 
should I rate this as a film as a standalone film? It still will probably get two and a half. If I start thinking back to Captain America and the Winter Soldier and how gripped I am throughout that entire film from the mm. action sequences to even down to the character work, this is 0.5. Shite compared to that. <laughs> yeah. Like, but you got to remember, these are the only films I watch, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I and it. it would be an insult for me to give it any higher than that to all of the other films in this, mm-hmm. in this franchise I've watched. Yeah. It's just. It's yeah, it's it's a non-event for me. I I don't ever want to think about this one again. <laughs> um, I but Colin, if other MCU fans were to do like a, a a ranking list of all their favorite MCU films, I guarantee. Um, well, I know I know for certain that Ant Man and the Wasp is is very close to the bottom. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So I'm not totally alone. No, I might have been a bit harsh, no, but I'm not totally are alone not with the thought. Alone, oh, okay. Sir. Okay. Well, that makes me feel better. Then that makes me feel a little bit better that I'm not. A, Alone. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to be firing, uh, firing up the torches and okay. grabbing their pitchforks. I was for a you little worried, to be honest. I was a little worried because I knew I was going to come in hard on this one, yeah. and I was a bit worried that I was going to piss everyone off. But um, I'm just being me, guys. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not universally loved. Okay. You know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. So trivia. Now we've only a few films left in the saga. I'm starting to worry. Do I need to win every single one? Like, I'm starting to have a little panic now. Um, it's currently um, 10-9 to me. Okay, so I can maybe afford to lose this one, I think. Okay, interesting. So, who's going first? Because I could not tell you who went first last time. I can't either. I don't know who went first last time. All right, I'll go. But this is going to be off the top of my head because always I always wrote down my trivia on my phone, and I now use my phone as my camera. So, bear with me, but I will get to the point. But it's a nice little short one. Um, I couldn't find anything world changing to do with the film, but um, and it's also something I've never noticed. I think I've seen this film three times, and it's definitely something I've never noticed before. But it answered a question that I had. So when the, they've got the the lab and obviously it shrinks down to like the size of a suitcase and things like that yeah i do remember what at one point asking myself how the hell a do the toilets run in that place because of the sewage pipes like and you know at the end of this film with the the beach the house on the beach yeah it looks great but i can't help but think how the fuck do you flush a toilet in that place that's nothing to do with my (laughs) trivia because my second thought was in the lab how do you power it? Because there's this massive quantum generator or thing in there. And he's literally just pulling it along by a suitcase. And they themselves actually asked themselves that almost in post-production of being like, how does this place run itself? Yeah. And you know, they have this little uh, uh, gadget ability where they can shrink certain items or they can enlarge certain items. Mm -hmm. A couple of sequences... Uh, in this film you can see right in the background of the lab they have used those um, devices to enlarge some objects and all along the wall is these two giant Duracell batteries so that whole lab is being ran by two Duracell batteries that are just on the on the on the wall of the lab which they've enhanced and enlarged to then extract the power from and that's why he can shrink the suitcase and take it off that's good shit, man. I like yeah, that. Yeah, come on. I thought that, that 
I thought that was really interesting. Oh, <laughs> oh interesting, brilliant. I, I couldn't, I couldn't. I'm glad you did, though. So, is it my go? It is. So, at the start of uh, November 2016, Peyton Reed said that the film's production was going to transition from the writing phase to official prep, and it started beginning its uh, visual development. So, uh, Reed reiterated his excitement for indu- introducing the Wasp and uh, designing her look and the way she moves and so on. But he also talked about how sharing characters with other MCU films has led to a bit of disappointment for him. Because for him, there's a big scene in this film, isn't there, where Giant Man bursts out of the water, and it sort of sounds like, oh, how's Scott going to survive? He's at the bottom of the... You know, he's sort of been dropped in there by some... by an ant. He's ant been eaten by a seagull or something, and he falls in Mm -hmm. there. It's been a while since I've watched it too. Um, (laughs) So that would have been like a big moment, but this time around we're like, well, we've seen him as Giant Man. We've seen him do that because of uh, Civil War. But yeah, Peyton Reed was a little bit disappointed. So he said that going forward, he wanted to spend a lot of time talking with the other writers and MCU um, directors, making sure that the Ant-Man corner of the universe kind of stayed a little bit separate maybe, um, and that he would have at least have a say on what developments with Ant-Man were happening in films that he wasn't involved in because of Civil War. Huh. That actually is interesting. Mm. Um, okay, so bit business or... Um, it's a good business strategy, isn't it? I think, that, uh, I think uh, George's was... George gets it, man. The, that, that was nice. But they were both <sighs> good. They were both very, very good. Ten but George, all. Ten all. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> He's in constant pain. I'm in constant trivia. pain. <laughs> I was so nervous about this week's trivia that yeah, it's a bit. Of a... I like I like the short and sweet nature of it. To be honest, I think that that's where you lost me with the the one that, that we uh, had the the moment. Yeah. Well, I'll say this right because I had a that's my trivia moment because George did something early oh. on when he was talking about the um, Michelle Pfeiffer um, being the dream pick mm. because Peyton Reed when they were designing the eyes for the the um that you would see in the first Ant-Man film through the visor said um base it on Michelle Pfeiffer's eyes because I'd love her she's like my dream cast for huh. Janet and then they obviously end up casting her but then George mentioned it enough that I thought you'd go well George mentioned that earlier so oh, you're right like, man yeah you're, you're starting to get how my brain right. works I think yeah <laughs> so during during the whole of the recording of that I was madly scrolling the internet trying to oh, find something fuck else yes oh that's nice no that's good oh, extra points then but but yeah George, George and, and desperate times call for desperate measures as well so it turns out a friend of a friend who lives in I no well my friend lives in Ibiza and she posted a picture of a friend that she's made out there. So a friend of a friend. And that friend of a friend turned out to be Hannah John Cayman. Is that her name, Rob? Who plays Ghost? Oh, right. Uh, turns out she's now, yes, friends with my friend who's living in Ibiza. And I came so close to being like, can you please ask her for any tidbit about Ant-Man and the Wasp behind the scenes stuff? But I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, so that's how... that's. <laughs> how close I came to pulling desperate measures. Well, who knows if that if that'll have a next time, baby. Yes, we'll get her on as a guest. Um probably not. <laughs> just don't me- just don't mention my thoughts about this. <laughs> yeah, Colin, you gave you gave her only film 0.5, yeah? She wanna, 
Do you want to come on our podcast? One of our um, co-hosts gave it 0.5 stars. I'd love to I'm pretty sure that was it. for your... Uh, he said that you were the only thing that compelled him no, in the whole exactly, thing. Though, yeah, so, yeah the, you know, the half a star is You was the 0.5. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that bridge may have been banned. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I thought it was just for you boys. <laughs> okay, so Colin. Yes. Oh, yeah, what's next? What's next? Oh, fuck, oh, fuck if I know, mate. No. Um, um, is it... Well, I mean, I know Endgame's coming, but it feels like, I mean... It was one film ago. That seems even more strange, though, if they've, if they've sandwiched Ant-Man in between. <laughs> but then maybe it, was the, maybe it was the palate cleanser that you mentioned, mm. you know? It was the refreshing, you know, lemon sorbet before the, the, the dessert comes out. Yeah, and our that was on the poster, cleanse. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a tagline. I'd prefer lemon sorbet for two and a half hours or however fucking long that was. So speak... Um, but no... I've no idea. Speaking of Infinity War, then, during mm. that post-credit sequence, when we get to see the 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 the, the snap from another angle, happen with so in the city, we're stuff. in the city, yeah, yeah, and we're yeah, with yeah. Um, good old Samuel L. Jackson, it's Nick Fury, um, and uh, just before he floats away, oh yeah, yeah, the the he symbol. gets on a pager, and a symbol comes up. That is the symbol of. Captain Marvel. And okay. Captain Marvel is our new next movie. Oh, okay. A All right. whole new character, I'm generally, sir. I'm generally, I'm generally feeling that. And we get to see who mm. he was calling. Hey, I'm up for a new character, for sure. Mm. Definitely. And and also, if it's if it's linked in with the end of... Then at least it feels like we are getting somewhere. Ah, yes. Of course. Maybe not. No, I don't know. There, there was see. a very specific. There was a reason why, during the the Battle of New York and and Ultron, why he didn't call Captain Marvel. There's a reason why he's calling Captain Marvel now. So everyone, please rate, review, and share. Uh, I know I say it every week, but honestly, it really helps us reach a wider audience. Um, more people listening to this, the more we can do of it. Essentially, uh, because what we haven't really said is uh, we've mentioned it i think on our twitter page it is that our bonus episodes we are taking a slight step back from them they'll still pop up every now and then but i think how we have been running it pretty much for the last few months is every two mcu films we're going to do a bonus episode it will be slightly less than that because one of the main priorities is getting colin back on track so he doesn't have to keep avoiding these spoilers because Colin, damn it, wants to watch all the conspiracy videos exactly. on YouTube that you can. <laughs> exactly. And me and George don't want to have to discuss what Colin might have found out in the top of a software. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, it would be nice to be at a point where we're, like, going through the process of a new film coming out together. For sure. Like, that's going to be a whole new thing for me. I want to see I'm Colin not up. care in real time. Yes. Yeah, oh, it, it will happen. <laughs> so we can say to <laughs> everyone at home, Guys, we're going to go to this cinema in London to exactly. watch this film. Come watch it I'd with love us. That. And you get to yeah. experience the disappointment when Colin walks out and gives it 0.5. Yes, that's what everyone <laughs> wants, man. That's what everyone wants. Okay, so Colin, say bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Rob, say bye. 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 Next time we meet, let it be in peace and friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work. Sweet dreams, little friends. Look out! Oh.
just when you thought it was over, just when you thought it was over. There's another bit. Brilliant. Um, so there are two post-credit scenes. One, I don't think we're even going to bother worth mentioning, but... Oh, we should mention it. It's all right. Okay. Should we talk about that one first? Mention it's it. a, It's an ant playing the drums. Yeah, but on the TV, there's like the sort of like end of like end of the world warning, like mm-hmm. the same sort of TV warnings you'd have in like a nuclear thing. So it's a tiny little detail. I think it's quite nice of how the world's reacting to the yes. If we've if the universe fifty percent of the universe has died, I'm glad that ant made it for sure. Hmm. But so I don't have this jotted down, but from memory, I've seen this post credit scene many times. I've seen this post credit scene more time than I've watched the films because I really really like this post credit scene. So Scott Lang is going back into the quantum realm to... Back, back to school again, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, Greece well too. done, well done. That was almost one of my trivias, that um, this is like the fourth movie in Michelle Pfeiffer's career where she's joined a franchise past the first movie. Rob, can you name some of them? Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, it Lies Beneath 2. He's back again. <laughs> I don't think that's a real um, <laughs> Grease 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and... The other one I didn't even know she was in. I guess it's animated then. No, it's Maleficent. Oh, yeah, I, didn't, I haven't seen the first no, one. No, neither have I. But, yeah, okay, what was I saying? So, he's in the quantum realm, <laughs> and he is hoping to capture some of um, that, that energy inside the quantum realm to help Ghost with her recovery. Because, remember, it, it was only temporary. Um, so, he goes in, and he's only meant to be in there 10 seconds... And they do the countdown and he says, I'm ready to come out now, guys. Silence. Guys, silence. Mm. Cut to outside as all three of them have been snapped away out of existence. Mm. No. Dead. Dead. Along with Peter Parker. And many others. I still don't believe you with that. I don't even believe you about the Daredevil thing, by the way. I'm, I'm only 50-50 with that. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, believe us on. or not, it's fine. Uh, nice to show you trust yeah. me. Uh, and Brilliant. not only are those three dead, Scott is now trapped inside trapped. the quantum realm. And we end. I love this post-credit scene. Colin, did you like it? Yes, I did, actually. Good. Nice little reminder of all the horrible things that happened in infinity war yeah exactly it was a nice reminder of and it sort of reaffirmed the fact that it felt like everything before that in the film was a complete waste of time so it was uh, a <laughs> yes let's, let's crack on let's, let's crack on crack on to captain yeah, marvel yeah, yeah. but before we do that one yeah, last hey, thing uh rob what do you think of that post-credit sequence i really like it i remember it was in, in true post-credit sequence style that was the thing that was you know, in my head the most on the walk yeah, home from the cinema. Yeah. You you watch a mediocre film, but you walk, you leave the cinema buzzing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what um what got me through it, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like it's just uh what's gonna happen next? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Do you know Colin? Captain Marvel, baby. We don't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, stay safe, stay well, stay nerdy. <laughs> <laughs>